0: Welcome to Trainers Lab. I'm Blake. I'm here with Ms. and we are here dissecting the elements of what it means to be an online or remote coach. Um, And so our whole purpose is really to help the the coach learn how to continue to grow their business and navigate clients and the struggles and things that will go through there. So all of our podcasts and material um, at trainerslabpod.com is really geared towards helping with that. And today we're going to do a uh, a podcast on what makes the elite coaches in remote coaching elite. So um, we're, we'll we'll try to stay away from those names. Uh, maybe we'll yeah. mention a couple. But like we, we know who those people are and there are certain characteristics and there are certain skills Skill and knowledge and quality and things like that that these people have. And we want to kind of try to think about those things for the listener to start thinking about where should they spend their time when they're not coaching to continue to grow in those areas. So Ms., you've been around, you've worked for, for some good, uh, with other remote coaches and for some remote coaches and you've kind of hit some stuff. What are some things that you've seen that a lot of the elite coaches have that whether it's a, a mindset skill or a certain base of knowledge, what's been your experience?
1: Um, I, And to preface this, right, like, I'm not considering myself an elite coach. I'm just saying what I'm observed here. And also, like, even if you're listening to this, and you're like, ah, I'm never going to be an elite coach or the top 1%. But like, I how do I just be the coach and make like an average income? And to survive, mm-hmm. right? I get that too. By elite, let's also define like it's whoever you think is elite. And that might yeah. mean monetarily. So I know for me, I, it might be like, oh, this person ha- makes a decent, a great income as a coach or whatever, like that's successful and elite to me. Or hey, they have control of their time and whatever. Okay, that's elite. Some people might say it's the Instagram following and the YouTube and the they're famous and that level of it right but either way whatever we extract i think um from today's conversation can even if you're 10 percent of that the idea is you can reap a little fraction of some of the success that might come with it so i've seen coaches i've been around both side by side next to each other where like one cares too much Mm. and when you care too much it's your personal life is affected. Yeah. You're freaking, uh, not just that, but like you can't grow in certain extent because like, you're just so married to this idea or identity. Mm. Right. Versus like things change in the course of your career. And the people who we view as elite, sometimes it's just because they've been around a long time. So it's like, mm. how do how were they around a long time? They weathered a lot of change in my opinion. And yeah. you do that by, Having this attachment but not letting it be your identity, uh, which I've been in both sides oh, where yeah. I felt that, you know, where it's like, oh, this rules me. And then and I've also been like, all right, what's my next consultation? Let's, It's just another day at work.
0: Uh, so I, I think with that, like as I was listening to you, one of the pitfalls for people is as we're talking about elite coaches, and I loved how you said this, like, you know, it's however you define elite, um, not to constantly compare yourself. Uh, But to look for the principles was the point of this podcast or the things that they do well that is not maybe a niche per se because that may not be you. Uh, But to see like how can you kind of take heed of that or grow from that. And I agree like I have fallen into the the identity. This works my identity. This is who I am. And when someone leaves, it's like they've left me. Um, Yeah. So, uh, not, not doing that being professional, I think makes you elite and being professional. What that means is that you, like when someone leaves, just tell them how much of an honor it was to coach them, you know, um, make it a great exit interview, ask things, you know, that I, you know, things I could grow or train, you know, do better. And that if anything ever changes, you'd love to have them come back. Right. Versus like cold shouldering, uh, being done with moving on, um, you know, I, I had an experience actually where I worked with someone and that happened where I, you know, didn't do a great job, but I was the client of communicating that I was done. Um, I did it via text, right? I did try to call uh, multiple times, but just didn't get a hold and then felt like it was urgent enough because of some financial situation that I need to make sure that this was our last month together. Yeah, And that person, um, you know that coach called me out and was just very kind of angry about it versus like trying to inquire, you know, is there anything we can do? Uh, or, you know, what was the reason? Uh, me serious. So like, you don't want to come across those ways. So, but that's not the point of our topic today. The point of our topic is just what are the things we can, you know, glean from, um, the elite guys out there and by elite guys and girls, I'm talking people who have been in it. They're successful. This is their thing and they seem to be able to put content out there that the rest of us are all kind of watching and growing from. Yeah. Um, And I would say a professionalism is huge, uh, of just trying to make sure that you have systems and you have exit systems, you have intro systems, and you have, uh, a way of communicating with clientele that, um, that works for a good experience. So that, that would be huge. So like for, like for me, one of the things I make sure I tell all my clients, I'm going to respond to your notes on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I don't respond to notes on Tuesday, Thursdays or the weekends. So there's just an expectation, but that's a professional way of saying my time's valuable. Your service is valuable uh, or the service you're getting is valuable. And I want to make sure it is valued by me. I would say it's a big one. I'd also say a big one is really just making sure that you're creating a time to continue to grow. So, you know, certain like the elite coaches just know a lot and that didn't happen overnight. They've created patterns and behaviors of studying and growing and they've made it fun and enjoyable. So have you seen anybody like uh, over the years that you've interviewed a lot of people and kind of talked to a lot of people through podcasts? That like there was just habits or behaviors that you saw in some of those those upper echelon coaches that yeah
1: um, hands down that,
0: that stood out to you.
1: There's just this uh, thing where you're like, oh, for every person that you're like they act this way. This is my definition of elite and success. You see the opposite where that's also working. So I think it's really about what. Uh, what resonates, right? I would say like the one area or the elephant in the room that we're not really um saying, right, is what are the unfair advantages that they have, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there's a whole book on this, which is why I pulled this off the shelf that um I've read. But you can sum this up, like watch a YouTube video on it, and you'll kind of get what you need. But it's basically taking like what makes this coach or anybody that you're comparing yourself to this person successful versus the other? And how do some people grow at some exponential rates versus some people take years to grow in the same mm-hmm. amount. Right. And so I think to sum up the unfair advantage that a lot of these elite coaches have is they have a product where the perceived solution, it works. The perception of the product is that it works and by product it could be the service it could be the instagram free workouts it could be whatever the videos anything whatever their product is it's the fact the buy-in to be like when i buy from this coach man i'm gonna feel like this coach you know like rich froning's program i'm gonna operate like rich froning it's that vibe and idea Mm. where it doesn't matter if it's true i know plenty of smart people coaches themselves who became clients of mine and also of these top other folks that you're talking about where they were like yo dude i had i took a blood test before that program this elite persons i took a blood test after i had my health uh, life insurance like thingy happening and literally it showed like this person's insides were dying and decaying because of just Yes, it was working well and he was doing great performance wise, but like, you know, it wasn't showing it wasn't showing up or helping in the other ways. Right. So there are just a lot of like unseen, I think, with the elite that you just don't think about because a lot of us think of them through whatever we consume them, whether it's YouTube I never consume them outside of that. Okay, I just know them of YouTube, through YouTube. Mm -hmm. If it's Instagram, okay, this is what I know of you and how I, whatever, and maybe a podcast, okay. But that's what I know of you, right? There's a lot of unseen that I would say where the unfair advantage that they have is whether it's money, man, or it's time that they're putting in, usually by the time we're viewing them as elite, it's money because they've accumulated that already. They've got, you know what I mean? Like they're using labor to help create the content. They're not making all the cupcakes, you know, they're having a baker in the shop as well. Right. And so I think the unfair advantage is that after the perceived, you know, solution or product that works, it's that whatever you need to keep that going, you have access to. So it's usually content. It's like, how do I keep myself, you know, sharing and putting something out there that attracts people and here's the other unspoken thing that we should say before we get any further associations matter and so mm -hmm. when you have that's exactly how brands work right like hey can you take a picture with this Dolce & Gabbana purse? Or, hey, at a UFC fight tonight, can you drink the Monster that's empty and has water in it? Because I know you don't drink Monster, but like just drink it because we're paying you like a million dollars to do it. And <laughs> we just need you to be associated with us. And that's how brands work where you yeah. go, I love the vision of what you are, Nike. Mm-hmm. I love the vision of it. And I want I want my thing to be associated With that, the great coaches and elite coaches have this allure, however, they've created it. A lot of it is real right it's like great content or great ideas great whatever but Mm -hmm. a lot of it is also manufactured where it's through the lens of whatever platform we're consuming it think about it if you have somebody all of a sudden you're talking to tom cruise on your podcast it's like how'd you get tom cruise on your podcast like it starts making your brain wonder who this guy is right? right or who this person is so basically those associations you know previous success, this is something you don't think about matters. So it's like, well, I'm also doing the exact same things as this elite coach posting at the same frequency, uh, communicating even better to my clients, giving them even more attention or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, right? But why are they still outpacing me? It's because there's 10 years of reputation and success and accumulation and errors and all these things added up to where like, you just can't outpace that you think about somebody who's a crossfit games athlete yes you could say like oh they're not really maybe a great coach just because they're a games athlete right but the fact that they put in the hard work to be a games athlete and to sustain that for whatever period it's like being an olympian i don't need you to be in shape as an olympian for me to hire you as a coach but the fact that you made the olympics goes wow like all right you were you've you've proven whatever you need to prove to me I think whatever that is just um observe that within the people you admire and consider elite because we can sit here and compare elites all day but everybody's idea of that is different so next time you're like wow this person's like I, I want their kind of marketing or their clients or their success like what do you actually admire about that yeah um it's evolved and changed to where our definitions of elite have a are, are different because there's so many options to view that through, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think too, like just knowing where you want to go. Um, this, this definitely was a great podcast to open up a lot of different, this, this, yeah. this conversation opens a lot of different, um, avenues, but like one of the ones is just knowing where you want to go and who you are. That's just huge because, um, a lot of the, A lot of the uh, tendency here and I'm I'm even like feeling the temptation myself is to like get too caught up on watching them and not doing what they do. So like quickly watch them and see what they're doing. But like I I see a lot of the elite guys like they are only on social media for business and they use it like an email, you know, like so they're they're like I'm going to post stuff. Throw it out there like an email, like I'm sending it out to the masses, and then I'm gonna check back for an hour. I see a lot of elite people only give themselves a timeline too, so they're not like yeah. on there getting their education. They're actually getting their education from this is my this is my book I'm going through for this this month, and this is the uh, this is the mentor I have a call with once a month. Right, those are my like. You know, whatever those are, my places I'm going to. Why? Because those are like more filling and more concrete of success and and growing than just constantly gauging at content online. Now yeah. I know we're putting it out there, and we're actually hoping people don't do that so that we can gain clientele, right? But as far as growing in your career, you actually have to avoid some of those pitfalls, which I see mostly at least do because they're very clear on what they're trying to get done. And where they're trying to go. And like one of the places I'm even trying to grow as a coach, more like in a in a vulnerable place, is this like there is a lot of little tiny downtime that if I tweak that downtime and I do 20 minutes of this and 15 minutes of that, versus just kind of like, well, I got a little bit of time in between this console or that next client coming in or when I need to write programs, right? Or even like car rides, like some of the elite people, that's when they get a lot of phone calls done or that's when they get a lot of podcast listening done and educating. Right. So those are like utilizing downtime uh, to be more of a um, an energy giver and, and complete like feeling a sense of completion versus like just, you know, not doing anything. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not calling like there's a time for silence and kind of like just unplugging and relaxing that's actually very healthy and good but there needs to be um, there needs to be an evaluate a constant evaluation of how you're using your time i see everyone who's elite anywhere ever doing any kind of coaching coming back to that and just thinking like i wrote this on my board the other day um in my office where i wrote all right uh schedule in and i said business time so i'm thinking about i actually have business appointments that work on my business Uh, self-reflection time. How am I doing as a dad? How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a coach? How am I doing as a friend? Like, so I actually like take some time, however much time it is to actually have some sort of evaluation of that. And then like learning time, like scheduling that in, because as you get more elite, you get more busy and your time becomes more valuable and you don't have as much. So, and it'll creep up on you. Like, Elite doesn't mean famous, right? Elite means that you're just kind of starting to get to the top of of your kind of uh, goals of trying to grow as a business. Um, That's not what it means, but that's kind of what we're aiming at when we say elite. Uh, And I just think that that's really huge to think about. How is my time going to get sucked away from me? And then how do I guard and protect it so that it continues to grow me? Um, Bro,
1: It's the one person I have in mind who I watched do this for years. Like they, with relentless consistency on Tuesdays or one day out of the week, right? All day, the entire workday almost, like maybe a couple hours for other emails or other normal admin stuff, right? But the entire day, headphones on, blocked off, working on the instagram posts for that week making the videos that were filmed on it like putting it together or typing the captions out because the videos a lot of times came edited with uh, the editor or whatever that they had access to so captions writing captions writing Mm -hmm. uh all those types of things overlaying it scheduling it out and literally for the next week having three instagram posts go out on one account and then another three per day go out on another account. So the whole day was spent writing just the entire, you know, and think about that, like most of the time elite people guard something that often doesn't matter to a lot of other people, right? Like it doesn't matter to us to sit there and actually write the content, but like we want to, but we won't, right? But they guard that time to do it, or a podcast that you're not gonna see any money from for years. like people guard that with a crazy consistency that's just like that is the thing that's getting you to the place like the marketing often and the learning like you said the learning is the root of like getting good i would say or getting better right and then the marketing and stuff is the perception giving people the perception that like hey you can solve their problem yeah and those two things require time which i remember like there's a hamster wheel point where you're stuck like at delivering for clients or being on the floor or training or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the only difference between like maybe the elite and not is that this person has created in whatever way they need, offloading work, delegating, saying no, uh, hiring out, paying money for this thing, but they have protected time to create content that helps market and keep that wheel going and that eliteness. There And then also some form of whether you want to call it learning or I would say like product improvement or whatever, like something Mm -hmm. to improve your product and keep getting better. Those two things, if you think about it, become harder and harder to do as you even start servicing more clients like once i had 40 and this happens every 10 every time you grow like 10 clients you're like oh i'm at 40 now like i'm spending all my time up until the sunday night like programming and delivering Mm -hmm. on just their deliverables so it feels for me personally irresponsible or like a little embarrassing to maybe post on social media when like i haven't maybe delivered on the thing yet right but Mm -hmm. an elite person has figured out how to offload that thing completely or whatnot. So they're not in that position, Mm -hmm. whether they've offloaded that programming and the deliverables or they've offloaded the marketing and whatnot at that point. So they don't have to edit it and actually publish and schedule it. They've done what they need to do when it's really hard, like to do that. And then there's this breaking point where now you have enough money from the little bit of success or you have enough time that you've created from like relentlessly guarding and building up a buffer of business or whatever. Yeah. And then you leverage the shit out of that. That's what I've seen. <laughs> like there's this point where you just like, they go hard on that yeah. and you should because like, it, think about how hard it is to do. it. how hard it is to make an hour and it's like, oh, you yeah. got to make a couple hours a day to do this kind maintain this elite ritual or practice, I would say that we might have in mind, you know,
0: yeah, no, that's good. I, I would say, you know, to kind of summarize some of the things we're, we're saying, cause it really is kind of all over the place, but there's, this is just kind of a free for all things we've seen, like as we've just experienced kind of studying mm-hmm. people that we've kind of looked up to maybe idolized, um, and seen things. But I would say one of the words you use was guard they really do a good job guarding their time and even to the point where I've seen coaches that I've looked up to um, like lose out on business and clients to guard sacred time of that energizes them um, and it's almost like it was a it was a business decision to lose on the front end because they realized that this was more of a priority to gain on the back end and I've actually made the opposite mistake at times where I've taken on, too much stuff to make money in the short run, uh, that would actually like burn me out and like kill other opportunities of growth for the long haul. Elite coaches have the big vision in mind. They don't lose their vision is what I'm trying to say. And because they don't lose their vision, they guard certain aspects that help keep that vision fresh and alive. So it could be, um, like the hour or two a week of just kind of like meditative grow time. Right. So like you, you had a word for it. You said earlier, like you're improving your product Um, and maybe your product as a coach is you. So like, you're just doing improvement on how do I deliver better consultations and better connecting to people. Um, And so I'm reading this book, you know, On habits and behavior. Um, and so out of that, I'm, I'm jotting down and writing and thinking through those things, like pay attention to like for you personally, what, what gives you fuel? Mm -hmm. Because if, if a lot of your product as a remote coach for most of you will be yourself, you are the product that you're offering. So you need to kind of guard and protect what makes you the best you. And so if you lose that because you're constantly just programming and kind of running from one phone call to the next, right, you're on a rat race to, uh, to to kind of like actually fail and burn out, right? So you want to guard those things even if it means you lose money up front because the long haul is as you improve, your price goes up, which means your time actually becomes more valuable. Um, so things like that, you just got to keep that in mind. But I, I think that's the the guarding your time. Uh, is and guarding the things that fuel you are some of the biggest things uh, principles really that that help the elites get to get to the top and stay at top
1: yeah and it just leads them to finding whatever it is about themselves like there's a voice that each of them discover yeah which we all tend to resonate with it's almost like a movie trailer that just <laughs> hits for everybody, Mm. right? It's hard to get to that point. It's hard to communicate your message, what you're about, get it ingrained in people's heads that this is what your thing is. Everybody's game is different because their starting points are different. Some people start with 10 million subscribers or 10,000 subscribers. And it's like, all right, well, your strategy and order of priorities a little bit different. Or like you said, some people, they don't have, they can go slower because they don't maybe need that money short term, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you can say, no, you have that buffer, you have a little bit of success built up or whatever. So where you can say no, versus when you're on the race, and you're just saying, yes, short term, like, you're right. There is a moment of struggle, and I think I would, in closing, anybody you admire, don't just look at what they're doing right now and what they did when they blew up. But there's 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 this starting point. What do they do when they didn't have the support that they had? So yeah. it's like the marketing team, the this the that. How do they do it solo? And what do, were they spending their time on to get to that point and build that reputation? And two, I would say there's an exploding point. In some ways, I don't want to define it too heavily, but it's like I've watched it happen and I've seen and felt it. Like I've been on that boat with some companies when that's happened and watch that pivot. What did they do that just hit and resonate with everybody and it took them from like, whoa, zero to 100 mm-hmm. um, what is that messaging? What is that like thing you admire? Try to like verbalize it the best you can. It's going to sound weird when you say it on a podcast, but when you say it internally, and you're thinking about it, like, oh, huh, this is what's, I appreciate about this. Mm. You now can begin to emulate it if it's worth it. So um, I think this was a really fun conversation where we got to um, break. Yeah. Like you said, there's no definitive. This is all subjective in a way where what do you admire and appreciate, consider elite, and then reverse engineer. But I think with both of our perspectives, what we came up with was a pretty good range of what you can start to consider. Um, And yeah. If you have any questions on this, hit us up, uh, trainerslabpod.com. But, um, anything else you want to drop before we sign off, Blake?
0: No, that's great. Um, just again, you know, again, like you said, this is very subjective and what we're looking at really is just kind of observations of people we've seen that have done really well and succeeded and kind of just some of the routines, behaviors, daily kind of practices they do that kind of allow them to be at their level, um, and maybe things you can pick up and use in your own business. So
1: hundred percent. Thank you so much for hanging out today and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: See ya.